podcast listeners, World starts in 11 days. And you better be a Supporters Club member so you can get daily podcasts from Budapest. There's never been a better time to sign up. Hell, sign up for one month, buy a shoe, save $20 or $30, get the daily podcasts, forum features, follow posters, a lot more. Go to letsrun.com slash subscribe. Do it now. Welcome to the Let's Run.com Track Talk Podcast. We're less than two weeks out from the World Championships, and we're getting very excited here at your favorite running website. We'll be in Budapest, but will a thing Mo? What about Grant Fisher? Gert Ingebrigtsen? I don't know. We'll find out pretty soon. We know the Let's Run crew will be there, boots on the ground. There will also be some changes to Worlds this year, including one we've kind of been asking for regarding full starts. We'll break those down. One person who won't be there is Olympic finalist Alex Bell from Great Britain. It's a total joke. What is UK Athletics thinking? We may have a Rojo rant on that subject upcoming. Stateside, Addy Wiley has run historically fast again, this time in Memphis over 800 meters. And Connor Mance got beaten at the Beach to Beacon 10K in Maine, and he's not happy about it. Oh, and the Pac-12 has collapsed. College sports as we know it might have changed forever. So, you know, nice light episode coming up this week. This is a special Let's Run.com off the dock episode. Weldon has conflicts tomorrow, so recording this Monday night. I was going to ask permission, Weldon, if I can crack a beer, but I already see you're nursing a Modelo over there, so maybe I don't need permission. But this one should be a fun one. I'm, I'm excited to talk some track with you guys on a Monday night. John, I thought we were making political statements. We tried not making political statements on the podcast, and you had to go there. Jeez, revealing what beer I'm drinking. Yeah, Robert's sipping a Bud Light, but he's trying to hide it. I think it's in... <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I, no, the reason I shouldn't have said what you're drinking, we need to get these sponsors to pay us. If someone's willing to step up and be the official beer of Let's Run.com, I'll drink it during every podcast, but... You got it. Well, actually, I'm not sure about that. It might not be great for my liver, but I'll drink it on our Let's Run Dark Show off the, sh- off the Dark shows. Uh, Robert, drink something a little bit lighter than Bud Light. But uh, this is good. I- I'm excited, guys. I- I'm-, I'm already buzzed. I haven't even taken a sip yet. Are you having a good evening, Robert? How are things in Baltimore? I'm doing well. It's a good thing I'm not a medical doctor. Otherwise, I might be flying out to Eugene to try to take the knife out of the back of Grant Fisher. Do you want to start with that, Robert? USATF did name its team for the World Championships today. I assume what you're referring to is that Shul McGordy is double-entered in the 5K and 10K. So all that panic about would these cross-country people block all the actual 10K runners from getting in? Well, turns out Spain had five athletes qualified via cross-country ranking because half of the World Athletics gold meets in cross-country are in Spain. None of those athletes ended up taking those spots. So I don't know if the athletes turned it down out of principle or if the Spanish Federation said no, but no one from Spain will be competing in the 10K. That opened up a bunch of spots. Sean McGordy got one of them. Natasha Rogers got one of them. They'll be, both 
They're both named to the team. It's not 100% sure that McGordy will be running it. I did reach out to his agent, Tom Ratcliffe, who is also the agent for Grant Fisher. I wanted to confirm, is Sean McGordy doubling 100%? He said he still needs to talk to Jerry Schumacher about it. They need to finalize the decision. Fisher is going to be named as the alternate. So if McGordy does scratch between now and then, it's not a problem. But you're joking about this knife thing, right, Robert? I mean, to me, it's very simple. If you earn the spot, it's yours to do what you like. He owes he owes nothing to Grant Fisher. They may be teammates going back to the Stanford days, but Sean McGordy knows Grant, he owes Grant Fisher precisely nothing in this situation. You're technically correct, but I'm just too nice of a guy. I think if my teammate did it, I'd be inclined to let him make the team, which is tough. Also, I'm 80% of the way through Lauren Fleshman's book where she finished fourth in Olympic trials and Beg Kara and Shalane to want them to sit out since they were doubling. So maybe cold hard cash could work here. Like I'd like to know the reduction clauses if Fisher doesn't compete at Worlds. If he's going to make an extra $150,000 next year because he's not getting reduced, I might go to Sean and say, hey, Sean, I'll give you $100,000 if you sit out the 10000 But it's a victory lap for me. I mean, this is inside baseball. Like, who gets named to these teams. But didn't I say all along that none of these cross-country, we'll have to count it up in the morning, but I said these cross-country people are not all going to take their spots. How many of the women's spots were taken by people in the rankings, John? Uh, unclear because the entire field hasn't come out, but at least those three Spaniards, David Monty also says there was a Dutch woman who didn't take it. I have to assume Brazil isn't going to name that woman who we've just been calling the Brazilian, but who is not really qualified based on her track times to run. So on the women's side, it could be like only two or three from the cross country rankings. And then you'd have a more, a field that's more indicative of a world championship as opposed to people who got in on a technicality. But just to confirm with the viewers here, I think Mo is on the team and is listed as an entrant, but yeah, she's entered. It doesn't mean she's running because she can scratch the U.S. still has three spots because Mo has the bye. So that decision is still to be made. Yeah, mm-hmm. Just to recap, unless you've been living under a rock for the last few days or if you're on vacation, Bobby Kersey told the Los Angeles Times that they're not sure if a thing Mo is going to run Worlds. They're currently undecided. And he, she's healthy. This would not be a injury-related decision. This would be a she doesn't run, want to run Worlds decision. We discussed this at length only Friday 15. So if you want to know uh, full thoughts, let's run.com slash subscribe. That gets you access to all of the Friday 15 episodes. I have two main thoughts and I've both, I've written them both down the week that was one. I didn't like the statement that much. I didn't see what it accomplished by going to the LA times ahead of time. Because if, if one it's two parts, one, if, if a thing does run worlds, people are just going to be asking her, why didn't you almost not come? Blah, blah, blah. There's going to be more attention to her decision to run and seems like she doesn't want a lot of attention in terms of her running. And two, I didn't like the statement. I didn't feel like it was totally honest. Like on the podcast on Friday, you were saying it's a very honest statement. Like they could just make up an injury or something like that. But no, he says it's in our control. If we decide we're just going to go ahead and train through this year and focus on next year. And the train through word bothered me. Like as a coach, former coach, whatever, there's no reason physiologically for anyone to train through of her ability in the 800 meters from this year to next year. So let's just be honest. If she doesn't run, it's just because she doesn't want to. We can call that she's got other things that she's interested in. 
anxiety. It could be a mental health issue. I don't know, but it's not because of any training through. It's just because she doesn't want to go. Well, but, I think we're getting a little technical with the language here. She'd still, she's still going to be training. Well, actually, well, right. She, so maybe he, he said, didn't mean it like that, but the way I yeah. read it was like, we're training right, yeah, through because, yeah, yeah. oh, we got to keep training. But no, there's no physiological reason for that. But my second main th- point about this is if she does walk away from the sport, she certainly won't be the first great person to walk away in their prime. But guess what? Don't they always come back? I mean, the examples I use were Michael Jordan took a break from the NBA in his prime. Bjorn Borg walked away from tennis, retired at 26, but came back in his 30s. Naomi Osaka took an indefinite break from women's tennis at age 23. Simon Biles, age 24. All four of those stars came back. And here's my question to you, John. You got the you're the photographic memory. You're the Jeopardy whiz. You should be a Jeopardy whiz. It's a travesty that show's never had you on there, John, as a contestant. Maybe you should try out sometime. The question I have for you, Weldon, can you think of a single athlete that was like the best at what they did? that just walked away in their prime, their absolute prime, and never came back? I can think of a couple. And okay. in track and okay, field. Okay, good for you. Is well, there a guy, you. are you familiar with the name Herb Elliott? Okay, in the professional era, John, when they're actually making a lot of money, okay, they okay. have a reason era. to do something else. All right, I'm just, I was going to throw out Herb Elliott for our older listeners, very older listeners. 1960 Olympic champion, never lost a professional 1500 or mile and walked away at age 22. Roger Bannister basically did the same thing. He wasn't undefeated, but I believe he ret- didn't he retire right after that famous Empire Games race against Landy. But th- that, yeah, this that was pretty common back in the pre professional days. You would do one Olympic cycle and then you'd just move on to the real world. Can I think of anyone who retired this young? In any sport, Robert, or just track and field and just stayed retired? I'm thinking any sport. I mean, I guess Ashton Eaton was pretty close, but I'm just, I know I've been wrong about this because I publicly predicted on this podcast that I, that Usain Bolt would come back, but he didn't retire at the peak of his powers and he'd already won three Olympic golds. So I don't think that's comparable. I'm talking about someone who's kind of like, I mean, I, I don't know the details. Wasn't Sandy Koufax pretty young? I mean, Sandy Koufax, Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, those guys, they were later 20s or early 30s, but they were all still in their primes and walked away. Barry Sanders might be the best, but he's probably late 20s. I think Mo's, what, 21? 21, correct. Now, the example, the thing she's that I said... She's not saying she's retiring, though, Robert. They've mentioned 2024 Olympics. If she she would be taking a break i think it would just be to next year i think she still wants to go to the olympics and win more another gold medal or two i think she still wants to break the world record but one thing that wasn't discussed last week was that we're in the midst of five straight global championship years and she has mentioned that she said it's been a lot for me having 2021 and 2022 even though she didn't race off to july 24th last year and going through that all again Maybe she just views this, look, if I want to run the 2024 Olympics and 2025 World Championships in Tokyo, maybe this is the year I take a step back and don't compete. 
it's not uncommon for most athletes to run three championship years in a row. We have that under the normal schedule. But for her, if she's looking at it long term, or maybe just two years in a row is feels like a lot for her. That's what it certainly sounds that way from what she's been saying. One thing I brought up in the, in the article though was money talks. You don't have to love what you do. But there aren't many things that pay you seven figures a year. And there's lots of people on this earth that have jobs that they're pretty good at. They don't love it, but they show up every day because they make a lot of money. And that's why I think one huge incentive she has to come back. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there, there was a fascinating, there's been a couple fascinating threads about this. And um, one of them that started over the weekend was the all thing most saga demonstrates something important something important about track fans and it's written by an by a unregistered poster called mo talent mo problems both spelled mu mu pretty clever the cardinal sin for a pressure and, and they're not judging this this they're saying this is just like this, and i think this is so true for the let's run die hard they're saying the cardinal sin for a professional runner is to not care about the sport the worst dopers for all of the harm they do for all the people they hurt, they're willing to go to extremes with their bodies just to win a race. There's not a lot, there's rightly not a lot of sympathy for dopers on here, but there's a grudging admiration for someone who cares that much. I'm not saying Athe Mo doesn't care about track. We truly don't know. But with her sports racing schedule, along with all the modeling talk, it leads us to believe that perhaps she's just not that interested. If later this year Mo does an interview saying that track is her number one love, she knows all of Big Haley's best times, and someone posts and, she, and that she sometimes posts on these Let's Run forums under the name Rojo. And her lack of racing is just due to injury, COVID, fear of losing. I predict she'll be more beloved than ever in no time. I'm not saying that not caring about the sport should be its cardinal sin, just that it is. I think we can agree that it's not a personal moral failing to have interests that differ from your talents, but it's a minefield that people should be conscious of, whether you're a professional athlete or someone in their orbit or just a forum leader, forum leader confused at others or your own sudden antipathy towards Athang Mo. As a person, she's probably wonderful. As an athlete, You've got to demonstrate your love for the sport, whether that's fair or not. Robert, I enjoyed that post very much, but it also, it's a reflection of the Let's Rumble.com message board. The people who are posting on our forum all probably competed at some point to various levels and wish they competed at a higher level. I know I did. You know, I know why. I wish I could have kept going. Most of the people who are diehard fans of track say are the kind of person would say if i had a thing most talent i would race all the time i would do all this stuff i would do x y and z they'd kill for a thing most talent but that's not how talent is allocated some people get it and they have this passion for it i think mo's been running in the sport for a long time by the way i mean she's been going since she was age six she's been running club meets over the summer it's not as if oh two years on the pro circuit and she's done like she's been running and taking track and field seriously for a very long time. But there, I've seen other threads saying, oh, you know, I think Mo, she's going to lose a lot of fans for this. All right. She might lose some Let's Run diehard fans. The average person isn't really going to care that much because they're going to say, oh, I think Mo, wasn't she? She was the last Olympics, right? She did really well. She's back for the new Olympics and she didn't run this meet that I don't pay attention to. The average fan's not going to care. That's still going to love a thing, Mo, because she's talented, she's young. She's a great personality. All those things aren't going away. And then if you can even build in this story, hey, 
she felt that the best decision for her was to skip last season because there were a lot of expectations and now she's back. That's actually a redemption narrative and you might get even more fans out of it. So big picture, I don't think a thing Mo's going to lose any fans for it, but she might lose a couple of the diehards who post on the forums. I want to bring in Weldon because I feel like he's been on the sideline for about 15 minutes in the discussion. So please lay your takes on us, Mr. Johnson. This is unbelievable. We talked about this 30 minutes on the Supporters Club podcast. I'll link. There's a YouTube video. I put it out. You guys can, if you want more of this, we got it. But you guys are both off here. First of all, the post, Robert, read it like a book. And John, the definition of a fan is a fanatic. Any sports fan doesn't want the person to not give a shit about the sport. Now, maybe we're quibbling here, but and other Roberts like, oh, if she comes back, there's no indication she's skipping the Olympics. If she skips the Olympics next year, then we'll talk. For us, yes, the world is a big deal. I think some West Run people could be put off by it. Track and field fans in general could be put off by it, yes. The average Joe doesn't even know the World Championships goes on. Sorry, Vin. Lanana, Eugene, 2022. That track is going to be really popular by now in America, but somehow that seems about the same. But for them, yeah, they don't know. But if somebody skips the Olympics, then it's sort of a big deal. She would actually get a lot of attention with the public at large. But I don't know if she comes back. There's been no talk, incentives and stuff. I get The money is there for the Olympics. I probably assume she's not getting reduced very much if she skips the Worlds. That's what I can assume. The real money is if she repeats in L.A., I mean, excuse me, in Paris next year. So I'll bet a lot of money she's toes the line in Paris unless she's injured. That's all I got to say. Do I want to see her in Hungary? Yes. We all sort of agreed. We thought Bobby going to the press means she's. this decision might have already been made up. Why would you go to the press with, with this to sort of front front run the story i don't i don't get that unless or maybe he wants people her to see how people really want her to run i have no idea why you would just not just wait and announce it hey she's she's just not gonna run worlds this year hell you can make up a story not to say she's injured i don't know what you'd say but it just it's fascinating because but then guys come on think back when you were 21 to be given this much god-given talent to be this damn good I can see how you make some interesting decisions, to say the least. Oh, no. I mean, that's why I'm not saying, like, I think Mo owes this to the sport that needs to be competing. Like, she's 21. She already won the Worlds and the Olympics. She's got the American record. She's got a ton of money. I get why you want to live it up. There's only a certain period in your life where you're free to do whatever you... Well, it's not totally true. She'll be able to do what she wants after she retires. She'll have a bunch of money in the bank. But I, when you're 21, I, I get that there's things that might appeal to you outside this sport you've dedicated the majority of your life to. I can understand that. Look, the rock star wants to be the movie star. The movie star wants to be the athlete, etc. Everybody also wants to feel like they're so hard. There's so much pressure. I said that for the average fan, her stature goes up if she skips worlds and comes back and balance and battles the mental challenges. The other thing this story has taught me, I was thinking about this. There's another somewhat all thing related story of trivia people. I know John and Walden know this, but average person on what's listening to this podcast right now, 
who coached Ateng Mo to the World and Olympic titles. Don't know? His name's Milton Mallard. And I say that because it's fascinating. Like, the other thing I think Mo thing shows me, and I've always thought this is we as ledge runners, as distance runners, we don't really view the 800. It's mid D on up. It's not the same as distance running. And we don't view the coaching as the same. We view it as more of a talent based event than the distance running. It's all about our hard work, people. I'm making that up. That's what we like to feel. Because I was thinking of this. I think Mo, she switched coaches to Bobby Kersey. People are like, oh, is this a big deal? But imagine if a distance runner did that. We'd be like, you fool. People are, oh, Ritz made Nagoose and the OAC built him up. I'm like, people give the coaching way too much credit on the distance running. And then mid-day, that's like, we totally ignore the coaching. But Milton Mauer, the guy who coached Authing at Texas A&M after Wade Francique, who coached out of Embrasure to great jobs, Wade left. And now Milton Mauer has left. Are you calling him Wade Francique? It's Elaine Francique. Elaine Francique, sorry. He has left Texas A&M. Um, and has been replaced by Paul Ehring, the Olympic champion in the 800. So they're still going to have a good 800-meter coach. Um, so Paul Ehring, who was the head – no, he wasn't the director of UTEP, but he was the head cross-country coach. He's moved over to Texas A&M. And he coached the men's Olympic champion from Tokyo. So they're replacing the coach of the women's Olympic champion from Tokyo in the 800 with the coach of the men's Olympic 800 champion from Tokyo, which is pretty wild. It is kind of weird to me he'd go from being head cross-country coach at UTEP to just a distance coach. They already have it. Sorry, they, he's the mid-distance coach, it looks like. They're saying in his bio he'll work with Pat Henry and coach the mid-distance runners because they already have a distance coach, Wendell McRaven. It's kind of interesting to me. Like, Guess how many coaches Texas A&M has on their staff? Well, up until this year, you only had to have six paid coaches. Now They just got rid of the rule, so... I'm going to say 12. Okay, it's not quite that many. It's eight, but it's still a lot. I think a couple of are assistants. But one of them is Mario Satenia, who used to be the director at Texas a few years ago. It's just kind of wild that all the... Yeah, I guess they're an SEC program. They're very successful in track and field. They have a lot of money to spend. But you know, they've got two people who are big, like Paul Orang and... Mario's tenure are pretty big names in the coaching, the NCAA coaching world, and they're both now just assistants at, under Pat Henry. Anyways, there's a threat of Mallard's departure from Texas A&M. It sounds like it wasn't a nice departure. There's some guy named Joshua English who's like a freshman or something at Texas A&M who just trashed Mallard on Instagram today. It's all in the thread if you want to get to the dirty gossip. Do you guys know Milton Mallard was NCAA runner-up at 400? I did not. You learn something every day. I swear they've added stuff to his bio here. I knew he was run like a he was like a ten one hundred meter guy, which is also true. Well, ten one eight with some altitude and wind, ten point two two with jet. But yeah, I mean it's crazy, right? Coaching Olympic champion and now he's looking for a job. He did a great job with those 800-meter runners. So I'll give him that much. But if I don't want to speculate, but what this kid's saying sounds like something would have happened. We'll link to it in the threads. You guys can make your own decisions because I know nothing more than you're reading it right now. All right, sticking in the 800, I want to talk about something that came to my attention today. It happened a couple weeks ago. But it's just wild. I'm kind of surprised among all the 
complaints about British athletics not sending athletes to Worlds that this didn't get more press. Alex Bell, Olympic finalist in the women's 800 meters in 2021. She ran 157 in that race, which is her personal best. She was third at the UK Championships in early July. You would think she has the World Championship standard. This isn't a thing where she needs a ranking invite or anything. She has the standard. She got passed over for the third spot on the British 800 team behind Keely Hodgkinson and Gemma Riki in favor of Isabel Boffy, who was fifth in that race, a second and a half behind Boffy. Bell ran two flat point six eight. Sorry, a second and a half behind Bell. Bell ran two flat point six eight. Boffy ran two oh two point two eight. Bell is 30 years old. Boffy's 23. And I was reading this article in the Daily Mail. British Athletics, they said they chose Boffy because she had the faster time during the qualifying period. So right after the British Championships on July 22nd, Boffy runs 159.30 in Madrid. Bell's best time during the qualif- during the you know 2023 was... Two flat point six eight, which she ran in the British Championships. They named the team on July twenty eighth, but right around that time, and maybe it was in the works before that, Bell then runs one fifty nine forty three on July twenty sixth, and then one fifty nine twenty eight, which is faster than Buffy on July twenty ninth. And when she did that, there was a picture throws up the double birds, basically saying like, you know, screw you to British Athletics, I should be on this team essentially, which we all already knew she beat. Buffy by a second and a half at the British Championships. I'm just kind of in awe of this. Maybe this happens more often than I think, but Robert, why would you take someone who finished fifth and got smoked by someone else in the UK Championships when both of them have the standard? Well, if you want me to defend them, I'm, the ration, there's only one reason, and the rationale is simple. It's, and you've left this fact conveniently out of your argument so far. Although I do think this is a travesty. Well, Buffy is younger than Bell. You're saying Bu- that she's on the up. Yeah, Bu- I did mention that she's 23 and Bell's 30. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. it's a seven-year age gap. I mean, Bell has never lost to Buffy. Either 5-0 and or 6-0. Now, obviously, when you're beating up on an 18, 19-year-old a lot of the time, of course, you're going to crush her. But this is a joke. Like, I, I don't need to hear, oh, you need to get experience in the big meets. That's why they have Europeans and stuff. How much experience, can someone tell me, how much practice at the global stage did Althang Mo have when she won gold? What about Caster Semenya, John? They, they both so had as seasoned. much experience as Keely Hodgkinson when she got silver at the Olympics. Which is, that was their debut global championships at the senior level for all of them. But there was a post on Let's Run this week. God, and if you were the poster of this, email me it was, I don't know what, it was on a random thread. And someone said, I used to be a coach, and the wise tennis coach taught me that you got to be careful with athletic administrators and the athletic directors. He said something like, in college, and this is probably like, an athletic director only gets, only rises through the ranks by hiring new coaches, which means they have to fire other coaches. So if you've been there for a long time, you're probably going to get fired just for no reason. And it's like these selectors want to prove that they're so smart. Oh, we're going to take, the person who might get to the semifinals over the person who's, you know, whatever. I just think they're overcomplicating it. Like, 
if they take the third placer who has the standard in every event, you're not going to get criticized for that, right? They're just going to be like, all right, they beat them when it mattered. They, you know, no one's going to be unhappy about that. Whereas if something like this happens, you have to, you have to hope Buffy runs well at the championships. Otherwise, you're going to be saying, well, what if Alex Bell was here, you know? And it's kind of funny. The one example, like the U.S. trials, how often does anyone ever crush USATF for saying, oh, well, the fourth place, uh, they would have done this if they made the team. It never happens. We never criticize them because they always try to go by the finish of the trial. It's one of the things USATF does very well. And in the 2016 Olympic trials, Kenny Harrison did not make the team in the 100-meter hurdles. She breaks the world record a few weeks later in London. Everyone's saying, oh, man, should they have taken Kenny Harrison? Well, guess what happened in Rio in the Olympics that summer? The U.S. went 1-2-3 in the 100-meter hurdles. So... I don't know. I just feel like USATF has got it right on this thing. You respect. This is the why you have a trials is you respect the outcome of it. It's the fairest team. Is it always going to pick you the best team? Not necessarily, but I think most of the time it will. And there aren't any complaints about it. I do apologize to Marvin Bracey Williams fans because if we could pick the team after the fact, he might make it. He ran nine nine three and nine nine five last week in Memphis after. Somehow running 11 seconds at USA's? I don't know how he's gotten it together. Well, I think he's healthy now. I don't think he was healthy at USA's. It's a different mindset over there, John. Here we believe in the dream, the chance, a little more equality. There, I guess the administrators get to pick the team. And also, I don't know why they picked the team in advance. And she'd run 0.13 faster at this point. Like, it's not like it's that much faster. And she got smoked in the head-to-head matchup. and But the, my biggest beef with this, I don't really... The fingers... Who's she flipping off there? But like, I don't really like that look. But she calls out Steve Vernon, the UK Athletics Endurance Performance Manager, saying, I know you're probably watching this. Can you please reply to my text? I've had no responses to my questions. I'd really appreciate it if you did. That's just basics. That irks me more than anything. Yes, if you're going to make this decision and die, deny someone their dream, right? Argue what they deserve. Have the guts to respond to them immediately. Don't pretend you're too busy. I just think it shows British athletics are saying that they don't think that national championships are worth that much. You smack someone down by a second and a half in 800 at national championships, and you're just saying that doesn't really make a difference saying your national championships aren't that important. Can we have this woman on the podcast? I want to make a t-shirt with a double bird on it. I apologize to the young children, teenagers listening, but sometimes you got to just get outraged. I don't understand. Well, is she calling Dave Bedford out? Isn't he a friend of the podcast? No, 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 no. She was channeling Dave Bedford because he, if you look at her second picture on Instagram, so there was one of her after the race and there was one of Dave Bedford who's throwing up the V sign, the backwards peace sign. But in the UK, that's the same as doing the bud. So she was oh, channeling really? Dave Bedford. Oh, so she's a fan of Dave Bedford. This is even better. We need to have her on the podcast. All right. Speaking of people who won't be at Worlds, what about this from Norway? Gert Ingebrigtsen is not being granted accreditation from the Norwegian Federation. I learned about this because I got an email 
from a Norwegian journalist on Sunday morning. They were saying, I was wondering if you could ask him some questions. He didn't get accredited by the Norwegian Federation. I was kind of confused. I'll admit, I didn't even know that the federations were the one in charge of accrediting coaches for these things. I assumed that was a World Athletics thing. Apparently it's not, but it's a big deal in Norway because Jørgen Brigsen, obviously the father of Jakob Ingebrigtsen, the world's premier miler, the reigning world champion in the 5,000. But he's also the coach of Nava Nordas, who was just second to Yard Nagus in the Diamond League, outside shot at a medal in the men's 1,500. You look at the Norwegian chances for a medal at the World Championships, clearly Carsten Warholm and Jakob Ingebrigtsen are the top two by a long shot. Narvin Ordas, probably third, right? He's got a, he's one of their top athletes on the team. They're denying his coach accreditation, and the assumption, Vebjorn Rodal, 1996 Olympic champion of the 800, Norwegian athletics commentator, they're assuming it's because Jakob doesn't want him a credential. I don't know that for sure. The Norwegian Federation isn't really being very transparent about why Gertz accreditation wasn't approved, but it sounds like he will not be granted accreditation to the Worlds in Budapest. TBD, if he can get a ticket to the... He might be able to buy a ticket, but he's not going to be in the coaching areas. No. It's got to be bigger than Jakob just not wanting his dad there. They were credential him if that was the gist of it. Could be something more. I mean, there's there's been rumors on why there's a falling out between Jakob and his dad. I mean, people have said that Jakob's dad. Wow, me me providing the filter here. Look, I put up an article from the Norwegian press that was translated from whatever language they speak there. I believe it's Norwegian. It might be. Okay. Is it Swedish or Danish? What do they speak over there? What, Russian? No, I think it's Norwegian, right? They yeah. speak pretty good English, too. By the way, if you notice that the homepage is at an all-time high this week, it's because I'm doing it every day this week. And I'm now scouring the Norwegian press for Jakob Bingerbretsen articles. I found one over there. I found one that was translated. And the guy wrote a column saying, it's wise to scrap guard. Jacob Ingebrigtsen must be protected. And the article was basically saying, like, look, we have two superstars in this sport, Warholm and Ingebrigtsen. There's really our only hopes. Do whatever they want from a performance level. It makes Jakob nervous. He doesn't want his dad around. He doesn't want his dad standing next to him. They're gonna. He's going to ignore him, probably. So just focus on that. We don't know what else happens. Everything else is a personal drama. And I'm fine with that argument. A little bit of me bothers me about like what the rumors are and stuff like that. But like, there's been no court cases. There's been nothing. It's a private family matter. I don't think Jakob or Gert really want to push the issue here. So I think it's fine. Do we know that Gert's really that upset about it? It's not a big deal. Come on. As someone said, the only coach that really needs to be credentialed is a field event coach. The running coach is not going to yell out into the Olympic goddamn stadium some key insight, despite what I thought of Cornell. I mean, I need to be on the front row so they can hear me. And he still can buy tickets, right? So he could still yell from the stands. Oh, and Eugenie still, they would have heard him. I don't know about Hungary. 
Gert, if you're listening, I'll give you my press pass. That gets you a little bit closer. Oh, oh no, I won't let you into the press area. Because I don't want my, I don't want I, I don't want Jakob to get my you know, get upset with me and get my credentials oh, Well, your good friend Jakob, your good friend Michael Johnson. Great podcast, by the way, guys. I really enjoyed it. I mean, Michael Johnson, he's just wonderful. I love his Twitter takes. I love his cadence, how he speaks. It's so fitting he's with the British, John, because you probably know this as a half-Brit, half-American. Most Americans, we assume British people are smarter than us because of the accent. And so Michael sort of always stood out. He's always had his unique running style. Even just how he talks about the sports seems very unique. So I loved you guys having him on the podcast. Yeah, it was great. I really hope we can get him back at some point as well because I feel like there were a million topics. We didn't even touch. He was Galen Rupp's first agent. That was one of the things I put it on my notes of questions to ask him about. What was it like representing Galen Rupp? How did that end? What did you learn about? Like, We could have probably talked to him about that for 15 minutes, but we didn't even get to it. Well, John and I talked to him off air about it for like five or 10 minutes, and then John kind of kicked me off. So he got to go. I only promised I didn't him kick him. He told us he had to be out by 11, and you're keeping that him <laughs> after 11, like 11 or 5. I'm like, Robert, he's got stuff to do. You got to let the guy go, you know? Okay, back to this Gert story a little bit. I guess some people probably are wondering. I was I was on Norwegian Reddit this afternoon. People are like, what are the rumors in Norwegian? And I guess I'll tell people on much one. A lot of the rumors sort of revolve around a domestic dispute or whatever between Gert and the rest of the family in the sense of like their daughter, Jakob's sister, stopped competing right around this time. So was there some sort of blow up there? And this just gets into the whole thing we're seeing in American sports. Should should leagues go out of their way to investigate things that maybe the family doesn't even want to have investigated? We don't know if there is anything to be investigated. I'm fine with the way this is playing out. Let the it could just be like this guy's kind of demanding as a coach. It's hard to balance that as a father. They don't want him around. He obviously raised three incredibly. Big, Good runners. Life's not perfect. We'll move on. So I, yeah, I'm I kind say, of fine with it all. I, I would say I don't have enough information to provide a, a full take on this one because the Norwegian Federation hasn't said it. It's not like Gert's come out and said, this is exactly why I'm banned. I don't think Jakob's going to weigh in on it. And I think in that situation, I can't just go out. I don't want to speculate here. And I think. The Ingebrigtsens, if there is some dispute, they they don't owe it to anyone to be owing to be airing that stuff in public. If they want to keep it in house, they don't. They can keep it private, and it's a family matter. I totally understand that. One hundred percent. But the problem he, that we saw here, and the problem the same thing we're seeing with all thing Mo and whatever is, it would have been much better initially if they had just said the truth when they dumped Gert as the coach. They said it was a health reason, blah, blah, blah. That clearly wasn't the case. They should have just said, our father did a wonderful job in guiding us and developing us in the sport of running. Philip has won is a world championship bronze. Jakob has won an Olympic gold. But it's very hard for us to balance him being our father and our coach 
and we no longer want him to be our coach. They've said that. Uh, Jakob has said it's hard. That th- that's a difficult balance to strike. He has John. Said, no, that Robert. They presented a whole. He had health issues. Blah blah blah. Oh. They should have just done that, and then they said no other issues will be discussed. It's a private family matter. You know. Thank you for your respect. People aren't going to mess with that. But this is why it's tough to be like an administrator because you hear things, you investigate it. John, we heard things and and. Where were we for World Indoors? It wasn't Budapest. Belgrade, yes. There was Belgrade. a lot of talk in the mixed zone. Some but people were denying us one thing. Norwegian journalists were telling us another. So that's why I want to speculate about this stuff. Yeah. We don't know what... Only the Ingebrigtsons really know what's up. And I agree with you, Robert. In the grand scheme of things, is this going to affect Navin Nordas very much? Not having his coach there? I don't think so. Gert's still going to be able to talk to him between rounds. If you remember in Tokyo, I don't know if this is the case with Nordas, Gert was very clear. He doesn't even talk strategy with Jakob. He's like, I just train him to get in best shape. I let him make his decisions in the race. I let him take responsibility for that. So I don't, I think however Nordis runs, I don't think it's going to be affected by not having his coach in the stands. Because it sounds like he wasn't there in Oslo when he ran 329 and he ran the race of his life there. If Nordis somehow wins world. Will this not just blow up Norway? The most amazing story in the history. That would be crazy. I mean, yeah, Nordas kicking down Jakob for World Championship gold, that would be freaking insane. I don't think it's going to happen, but my God. I mean, that would blow up. Let's John, run. Let's run would lose its mind if that happened. And we're at a U- this U.S. The, site. This is the guy that said he was the slowest sub-330 guy in history, and he almost beat Nigus two weeks ago. Speaking of worlds, guys, I've been distracted. If you guys asked any questions, I'm sorry. I'm still looking at the world championship betting odds to see if anything's changed. We talked about that in the Supporters Club podcast. I can link to the... I got a video up of that one, too. Link to that. We got to join the Supporters Club. You're missing out. You want daily podcasts from worlds? There's one way to get the action, unless you want to like happen to be live on the internet when we happen to go live on YouTube. Go to let'srun.com slash subscribe. Use code CLUB25 to save 25%. You save on running shoes. So join for a month. Cancel us if you want afterwards. We don't care. Buy a pair of running shoes. Save 30 bucks. It'd be a win-win. I highly recommend it. Look, if you got to commute in August while the World Championships are going on, how many other places are you going to be able to find in-depth discussion, the real stuff that's going on in the meet, going on in the mix zone? We're going to give it to you. Unfiltered from Budapest. It's going to be awesome. Well, There's some of our best podcasts of the year, so please sign up if you're not already a Supporters Club member, even just for that month. I'm not going to lie. There might be one or two other places you could hear daily. Well, one or two, yeah, maybe. But. So woke and so many people acting like field events or whatever. Just It's a waste of your time. Speaking of Supporters Club, I assume it was a Supporters Club member that – has sent me the shoes. The people that can see me, I don't want to name the name of the company, but someone sent me shoes that they said Rojo, the personalized two fifty nine fifty nine. And a couple of weeks ago, I said my wife loves the shoes. She would want her own pair. Guess what happened, guys? Came in the mail. A pair of shoes for my wife. She was so excited. I've never seen her this excited. She's like, "Honey, you don't even have to get me a my a birthday present." And she's turning double. I mean, this is a signature birthday this she's year. She's turning double digits. Wow, that is a big deal, Robert. Double digits times a multiple of that. 
Ties. Beat, get your beat thing out again. Yeah. Yes. It was amazing. Now, she's not a fan normally of this company, particularly as a woman. By the way, I, I don't know if this person's buying me this stuff, but like your brand reputation with the females has been destroyed by some of this talk in the past. This person sent you like $500 worth of free shoes. I think that reputation, my, I mean, I'm not a woman, but in my estimation, this this person's the really, really big fan. Very appreciated. The, it's crazy. Robert says he's not going to give him free publicity. It's like a Shelby Houlihan situation. Now he's trying to trash them as well. And yet he then has the shoe on his background. Like I think our Michael Johnson, Noah Lyles video, it's got like 50,000 views. Well, if you're a shoe exec and you want your shoe behind me getting hundreds of thousands of views a year, you can be the official shoe of Let's Run. But anyways, thank you so much. She loves it. Now, she wants me to write her name on there. She thinks like a, like a, like a real machine wrote it. I'm like, I think he just did it with a power with a permanent marker. M. Joe, I'm going to put on there. I don't know what her goals should be, though. Partner, law firm. Orioles World Series, baby. MJ, Michael Johnson. John, can you text him? People want to know also about Michael Norman, his thoughts on Michael Norman. Try I don't have Michael well. Johnson's number, so I can't text him. But then, yeah, we'll get his thoughts on Michael Norman hopefully the next time he comes on. All right, let's stick about, let's stick on world championships. We were talking about this a few minutes ago with Gert. World Athletics has an article out and they are trumpeting some of the new things that will be happening at this year's world in Budapest. Lane draws, they're changing the way lanes are assigned. It's kind of snooze if you're a distance fan. There are no small queues. Only time, there are only place qualifiers, no time qualifiers in the 1500, the steeple, and the 5K. We've talked about it before. We're big fans of this change. We support it. Simpler for everyone. It's fairer for people in the earlier heats. They are going to be trying to make sure there's no empty lanes in finals and semis. So someone scratches, they're going to be a replacement in place. We're big fans of that as well. A couple of changes they haven't really discussed, though, that were new in this article. One was this thing they're calling the Q room. So for sprints, hurdles, and the 800, they're going to have a room with TV cameras where all the people on the bubble will be able to watch the other heats, stretch out, do some foam rolling, that sort of thing, refreshments. But they'll have TVs. They'll be able to watch these other races to see if they are in line for a small queue because small queues are still happening in the sprints and the 800. So as a journalist, this makes it a little easier for me because it means that we're no longer talking to someone who doesn't know if they've advanced or not. Either they will know or they won't. Now they'll all be coming through at the same time, but you, know, you deal with that sometimes. But it just makes sense to me. I think this is something we've seen in other sports, I know the Tour de France, when they do a time trial stage, they'll have sort of the leader's chair, and whoever's leading will sit there and watch the other races until someone surpasses them and they get kicked out. I think they've had a similar concept to this Q room at European Championships. Now they're doing it at the World Championships. I, I, I'm on board. I think it's a good move. And also, if somebody scratches for a final, like they immediately run there's athletes waiting in the crew room as well to fill the spot, John, that part doesn't seem to make as much sense. Like are our athletes really going to hang out just hoping someone scratches. I think you're misconstruing what I'm saying. Then if you're in, if you're eliminated the semis, I don't think you're just going to stay in the queue room 
hoping that someone scratches. Like if they have their finalists, you get to leave. But I think they would just make athletes aware, hey, just be on the lookout. If someone ends up scratching in the next 10 minutes, we might pull you in. Well, no, some finals are like, if somebody scratches for the 800 final, they'll fill the lane, right? Yes, but they're not going to force the person to stay in the queue room between the semi and the final. <laughs> and it's a couple of days. It might be like a survivor thing. It's, it's good to get some ratings. <laughs> I thought maybe they were going to use the queue room too as well in case like before the 100 meter finals, they have like someone sitting in there in case somebody scratches. Okay. Well, there's been a change to false starts as well. But if somebody false starts in the 100, will they immediately run someone else out to the track to fill the lane or will they no, be no, in in that situation? Come on, that's not how it works. Oh, that would be better. But how wild would that be, though? Like you have, you have nine people doing all the warm ups for everything, and then you've got one person like they're just hoping someone full starts. They probably, they probably start yelling. Like if there was a ninth person, they'd just start like pretending to simulate the gun, or they'd do all this sort of stuff to try to get people to jump in their blocks. Like that wouldn't be a good situation for anyone. It'd be a little, a little anarchy. It might be crazy for one thing but no i don't support that the, but the other thing they have announced running under protest and should we just call this the devin allen rule in years past if the world athletics certified start information system said there was a full start this is according to what world athletics is saying in their article if that happened the athlete was out they couldn't run under protest but now they're saying when the reaction time is close to the allowed limit point one zero zero any movement may hardly be visible now in cases such as these if the start referee feels the start in question requires further study the referee may allow the athlete to run under protest and to me that's the first tacit admission from world athletics that there may have been something fishy about devin allen and about the start times the reaction times at the 2022 world championships robert and some Let's Run readers through painstaking analysis showed that there clearly was something different with the timing system last time around. But it does sound like if there's something similar at the 2023 Worlds, there's a Devin Allen 2.0, that athlete would at least get the chance to run under protest. But, I mean, who knows if this is going to have a long-term effect. Maybe they just say further study or everything's fine. World Athletics is still claiming the start system was working properly at the last worlds, but Robert, what do you make of this change as the leader of the free Devin Allen movement? Another victory lap for me. What was it right at right about at the beginning of the podcast? I feel like everything's going my way today. You claimed that those world cross country ranking spots would never be used. I'm not, I don't remember hearing that, but maybe you said it in our podcast at some point and I forgot. But well, this is great. But I don't understand practically what it means. So you realize that Devin Allen is one one thousandth of a second off the right start list. You let him run. He kicks ass. He breaks a world record. And then what? You're under pressure to say he should get in. Now, are they just admitting they blew it last year? And Are we going to have the same timing blocks? Oh, I'd love for it to be another controversy just for the, for the pure drama of it all. We'll link to that in the show notes, our analysis about how it was basically statistically impossible for what happened last year to have happened. And it's not, we're calling it the Devin Allen rule. But another person who went out in that last year is somebody who's undefeated this year. 
Julian, Julian Olford. Yep. She wasn't quite big enough of a name last year for people to care too much. So look for that in the show notes. Okay, these rule changes, they're a step in the right direction. Sounds like we still may have some empty lanes in the middle of track with false starts, but whatever. But they need to make right what happened at Worlds last year. I'm sorry. And they need to publicly acknowledge it. I'm sorry. And the other big rule change they need is they need to decide any DQ, anything like that immediately. It needs to be done. I don't know. I think maybe two minutes to the end of the race. How long does the longest soccer challenge take, John? Under five. If we can decide something in every other sport immediately on the field to play, let's do this for track and field. That's what the fans need. I don't want some broadcast going off off the air and then later we decide someone won or lost a race or even a medal. It's crazy. It's like amateur hour. And I think apparently from maybe some of these changes, well, I know some people at World Athletics listen to this podcast, so good step, guys. We need more praise here. We need more praise. Let's go in that direction. And speaking of praise, someone who is into the World Championships isn't a running, isn't a challenging themselves. The Netherlands, Safan Hassan, has entered in three events at the World Championships, the 15, the 5K, and the 10K. It doesn't mean she'll actually attempt the Olympic triple again. Probably do two of those. She's got the Chicago Marathon, I think, 42 days after Worlds. This is great. We need more of this. Maybe somehow she could talk to a thing. I don't know. Nike, put them together. Yeah, it is kind of the opposite, right? Is someone who just likes to try everything and someone who doesn't really like to race very much. She's not going to triple, though. She's entered in all three, but pretty sure. Didn't she do that in 2019? I feel like this is just to give herself the option. She says she's running the 10K. The question is, is she going to double with the 5K or the 15? She already did the. I mean, she's she's done this, at the Olympics and Worlds. She did the fifteen ten in twenty nineteen. She did the five k ten in twenty twenty one. So she's accomplished both of them. My guess is the five k would make more sense because I just don't know if she would have the same foot speed for the fifteen hundred. She was out kicked in a five k recently by Beatrice Chabat and by Sagai. So. I think maybe she might be able to get her kick in a spot, give it another few weeks. Maybe she could get a medal in that event, but the 1500, I feel like it would be a challenge. Robert, you're shaking your head. You think the 1500 is a better bet for her? Who's going to beat her in the 15? Faith Kip Yagon. That's one. Then you've got the whoever's on Ethiopia, that all these women who can run in the 350s. If Sagai goes 10-5, can you enter all three and then scratch the very last minute? I'd see what Sagai enters. And then... Well, Robert, is your, is your thinking that the, fi- the 1500 final is likely to be fast? It's just going to be basically a test of fitness. And if that's the case, maybe that kind of race helps Hassan because she's just going, going for it from the gun instead of having to outkick some people on the last lap and really turn it over. Is that your thinking here, or you just don't care? No, I just think in the 1500, there's only one superstar, and then Sagay probably can beat her, for sure. 
No one else after that, I'm sure, can beat her. And I'm not sure the guy's going to do it. So I see her getting as high as second in that event. In the 5,000, I don't see Hassan beating Kipiegon at all. And then she just got third in Diamond League, so that would push her down to fourth. So I think her upside is a little bit higher than the 1,500. Yeah, I think it would just be a time trial. She's not going to lose to some 20-year-old Ethiopian. Okay, but, I mean, you've got a volume of Ethiopians here. Hirat Her- Meshesh has run 354. Berka Hylam's run 354. Dariba Welteji's run 355. I mean, she might beat a couple of them. I don't know if she'll beat all of them. I also think, I don't know, it, I think by the world's, I mean, Sagai and Chibet are so good and Kip Yegon. I'm thinking like, oh, can Hassan turn things around if she gets a couple more weeks of speed work? But those women are all so good right now that it might be hard for Hassan to beat any of them. Even though she was the Olympic champion two years ago, it's just it's tough. But I think we all agree her best shot at goal is the 10K, right? She'll probably have to deal with Sagai and Gade, but she's shown in the past she can outkick Gade. I think the question is, would she be able to outkick Sagai if Sagai ends up running it? Yeah, the 5K has got more people in it. 5K is loaded, man. But the 15, I mean, she's going to be in marathon training. Well, is she? I mean, she didn't really do full marathon training for London. I'm not certain she would be doing much marathon training, specific training at this point. She might just say, I'll I'll do marathon training the month leading up to Chicago, but I'm focused on the Worlds. The other thing, the 10-5 double, just from a rest perspective, is easier because if she does the 15 5 the 15 10 first round of the 15 is at 1 15 p.m on day one and then you've got the final on 8 55 on day one so that's seven and a half hours in between but 15 10 would require racing twice in one day come on now john sprints we've seen that when you run twice in a day you run better recently remember that guy that got dq'd in the 60 indoors and won it or ball starter i forgot what happened you know, he had to. Yeah, Devonte Burnett, right? Twenty twenty two NCAA indoors from USC. He he it wasn't. Yeah, he had to run the final twice because I think there was a full start and he didn't hear it. That was pretty interesting. Nice throwback, Robert. Never happened to him, by the way. I don't know. He's only run one race this year. Wait, this can't be the same guy. Saying it was in Western Massachusetts on July 29th, which is where my conference championships were in high school. And he's listed as running 10.90. That can't be the same guy, right? It's got to be someone with a different, you know, a different Devante Burnett. That's the only result. So has from someone called Devante Burnett this year, though. He didn't even make NCAAs outdoors in the hundred last year. He won the fit 60 and then, well, that's not true. He didn't run regionals. He ran nine, nine, nine outside. I don't know. All right, I can't believe we've been talking for more than an hour and we haven't brought up this story. And maybe because it's like a lot of the stories we've been talking about, there's like a little bit of messiness to it. We don't really know what to say. But the 19-year-old teen phenom, Addie Wiley, amazing, remarkable 2023 season continued. 
last week. There wasn't a lot of action actually on the track. There was an Australian record in the 1,000 for Abby Caldwell, who was <laughs> yet another person screwed over by the – when they select the teams, they screwed her over and didn't take her to Worlds last year. Now she's doing quite well, so good for Abby. But anyways, one of the bigger meets was the Ed Murphy Classic in Memphis on Friday. And Addie Wiley, this is a freshman in college. She's 19. She goes to Huntington University in the NAIA. She started the year with, I mean, she had great high school PBAs, 204.4 and 411.4. This year, she's now improved by 5.43 seconds in the 800 as she ran 159 flat to win the 800 in Memphis. She's also appeared by 8.21 seconds in the 1500. She's run like 403 low. So she runs 159 flat, which is like a five-second PB for her. Three-second PB. And then she comes back in the in – the, there's a road mile the next day, and she destroys Danny Jones, who won three NCAA titles for Colorado, and ran a 402 – Danny ran a 402, 1500-meter PB on the Friday night meet. So, I mean, like, it's amazing. If this was a guy, she would have – if she was in the NCAAs, she would be have the number two 800-meter time and the number two 800-meter time all the time. She's a freshman. Not if she was a guy. If she was in the NCAA, she would have the number two women's 1,500 and number two women's 800 time. Yes, that's what I meant. But like, this would be like the, the equivalent times on the guy's side would be like 143.3 and 333.9. Like, she's doing incredible. No, no, it's not because she didn't make the U.S. team for world. So... There is a slight difference on how good the NCA times are for women versus the ones to men. Because Cole Hawker was, a, what, sixth place at the Olympics while in college? Abby, excuse me, Addie Wiley's not going to be at Worlds this year. So I'm not disputing. She's running very well and one of the greatest 19 year old talents in America. I see what you're saying, Weldon, but Donovan Brazier, who's number two all time in the 800 meters at 143.55. He didn't make the U.S. team in 2016 when he ran that time. And they actually, the collegiate record holder, Elliot Kipsang, 333.74. He didn't exactly rock NCAAs either. So He didn't even make the NCAA Sometimes, final. Yeah. She just ran 159 flat. If she ran that at USA, she would be on the 800 team. She beat Kayla Edwards, who's going to Worlds this year. So, I, you know, it's I don't think it's a totally incorrect comparison. Wait, she beat Kayla Edwards in this race? By over a second, yes. <laughs> Still can't believe Kayla Edwards made it. Great for her. Uh, no, I didn't really I just knew saw she won. I wasn't I checked some results for this race, but I didn't Wow. That's pretty good. Anyways, it's a little bit hard to celebrate because the whole scandal at Huntington, which was exposed by David Wood so well for the Indy Star, is just makes you question things and whatever. And I think I'd like to just repeat, just like to read the final two paragraphs of what I wrote about this in the week that was. Given the awfulness of what we know that went on at Huntington and the true horror of what's been further alleged, as well as Wiley's refusal to disassociate herself from anyone intricately linked to the Huntington scandal, it's been difficult for many to celebrate Wiley's remarkable year. Part of that discomfort is because some of the Huntington's Allegations involved PED accusations, though Wiley herself has never tested positive or been sanctioned in any way. 
many, including myself, view Wiley and everyone at Huntington as a victim of the Huntington mess. But having talked to Wiley last year, she does not view herself as a victim. Is that surprising? I guess not. It can take time to process something like this. Remember Mary Kane was actively trying to get back onto the Nike Oregon Project in April 2019, just seven months before she slammed them in the New York Times. She's now suing Nike for $20 million. I don't know what to make of this all. It's just with Kane and everything. It just shows me like if you're running well, people will just justify anything. But where does it lead? To me, she looks like a sick, sick talent. But if I'm a shoe company, there's no chance I'm paying a penny unless she leaves. Which she may not want to do. And I'm having huge reduction causes if her performance drops off when she leaves. That's the big question, right? Because she just got fifth at USA's. She has nothing left to accomplish at the NAIA level. She's clearly way better than everyone there. There's nothing she's going to gain from competing in those races. She has the ability to turn pro right now. But she hasn't turned pro. And maybe that'll change before the start of the new academic year. But I think that might be... a um, There was going to be a hesitation, probably, from some of these shoe companies in offering her a deal if she says she wants to stay at Huntington or if she wants to remain... She said she's not being coached by Lauren Johnson, but she certainly is very close to the Johnson family. She says they're family friends. And, you know, that's the family that's at the center of this Huntington mess. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to just be very interesting to see how this all plays out and what her future is because she's way too good for the NAIA. But is a company going to come in and want to sponsor her if she's still in Huntington, Indiana? And I'd say she's way too good for Nick and Lauren Johnson. Robert, you got to see this from her perspective. She's a 19-year-old kid. She ran, what, the like number two high school time ever or something last year, John? I think she set the high school 1,600 record last year. With Lauren Johnson as her coach. Yes, there's been... Horrible things alleged against Nick Johnson, Lauren's husband. He was fired as Huntington head coach. Athletes now have come out and said that he put put them on performance-enhancing drugs, what they believe to be performance-enhancing drugs. He's admitted to having EPO, but none of that's been proven, right? And there's no nothing tying at all adding to drugs besides the fact that she was coached by Lauren Johnson, who's married to this guy. But she's a 19-year-old kid in a messy situation, man. I, I wish she was running these times without any association to anything related to performance-enhancing drugs, right? Like, nobody wants that association. So, yes, I think most you come here say, like, yeah, you got to have a new coach. All right, moving on. Other U.S. action over the weekend. We had the Beach to Beacon road race in Maine. Great road race. Glad to see it's back. I think... They missed two years because of the pandemic. Then last year, I don't know if the fields were that amazing. This year, there a lot of notable names in this race. Connor Mance was there, Kira D'Amato, Sarah Hall, Rachel Smith, the Olympian, returning her home state of Maine. It was 
I'm just glad that this race is still going. It's a great summer road race. And the most no and Helen O'Beary gets the win, the Boston Marathon champion. So she's been cleaning up on the road circuit. She won the BAA 10K in June. She won Boston in April. Now she's won Beach to Beacon. She got the victory on the women's side in 31-37. Kira DeMardo, third, tough American, 31-58. But the most interesting thing, I think, from this race was the men's race. Adesu Yehune, who is the reigning world under-20 champion in the 5,000 meters from Ethiopia, he was credited with the win, 27-56. Connor Mance, two-time NCAA cross-country champion from the United States, he was second, 27-58. But if you read Connor Mance's Strava entry after the race, he was pretty candid about his frustration. This is what he said. I tried to pass him, Yehune, on the inside at around six miles, but he cut me off. With less than 200 meters to go, I made a big surge to pass him again. There's a lot of room on the left, but he saw me passing him. He ran me into the fence. My, me- my momentum was gone. No video of the race, so no way for the official to see if it was intentional or not. But I'll look forward for my ne- to my next chance to race Adesu Yehune. The big positive from today is I felt like this was my first time since Boston. I've ran a race where I felt I was getting the best out of myself. Well, at the time, there was no race video, but it has since surfaced on TikTok. And if you watch this, it's fairly close to the finish. They're approaching the final turn. And there's clear contact. Yuhune is forcing Mance to the inside, or at the very least, he reaches out with his arm and cuts off Mance's momentum. And you see it, he slows down significantly and ends up getting beaten by two seconds. It looked like a DQ to me. I feel like if the officials had seen this in real time, they would have ruled a DQ in this race. It's clearly a foul. This is very reminiscent of the Wesley Kiptu foul in the Houston half earlier this year. The only difference was Kiptu didn't actually push the guy into the barricade. He just made it so that the guy would have had to run in the barricade to pass him. Although Kiptu ended up losing the race. Whereas in this case, the guy fell and ends up winning the race. I think Mance should be given the win in $10,000. I think that the Ethiopian guy should be placed second. I, I think there should be some foul in the difference between a total DQ and total and no foul. You know, understand what I'm saying? I wouldn't throw him out. Oh, this is kind of dangerous. So I, I, if you actually want to toss him out for this, not totally opposed to it, but I, you you can't look, people. Run in a straight line to the finish. It sucks, but we see this all the time. I mean, Molly Huddle did it. I mean, nice people do this stuff. It, there's an instinct like you want to win. You're desperate. You're tired. Damn it! Oh, they're going to pass me. I'm going to run them into the side. So it's not good. It was kind of interesting to me, though. Like, why is this guy, the world junior champ, like running the U.S. road scene already? This guy ran 1258 in 2021, 13 flat last year or something like that. Now he's he ran one of the Boston indoor meets, 730-something, and then 3K, and now he's running like 1317, and now just one, one track race outdoors. Maybe he's not in shape by his standards and realizes, unless you're running 1250, I guess, 
maybe if you realize you're not running 12 under 1250 there's no place for you in europe so you better head to the u.s try to pick up 10 grand yeah so, if you're the fifth or sixth best ethiopian it might be hard for you to get in a diamond league because they might want some diversity of countries in those races and there's no big time high paying track meets going on in the in europe right now so you know you're in shape come over and run the roads 10k for first at beach to beacon that's a nice payday so that's what he would well, run then, he's he's a 20 1258 guy but you got to be a 1240 low guy to make the ethiopian team in the 5k in 2023 good point i'm kind of glad he needs the 10 grand more than connor mans does but that's a foul yeah it's kind of unfortunate these road races, I mean, may- maybe there's an official on the lead truck, but even at that, I've done that race before on the lead truck and they're not, they wouldn't be there at that point. That's when the runners disappear and we have to meet them at the finish line. So it's kind of hard for an official to call a DQ in that situation because I don't think there's any officials who would actually see that part of the race. Uh, but yeah, it looked like a DQ to me. I think the fairer thing would have been flip Mansa first and have Yehune second. Jen, this is a random thought in my head. How much do we have to pay you? We just drug you up. You're not too old. You're 32. You're young. EPO, HGH, steroids, whatever you want. Everything. Train you. We, we chronicle it and let's run. Open about it. We don't run any races, so no one's testing you. And then you run Beach to Beacon next year and win it in like 27 flat. Robert, you could pump me through of every drug known to man. I'm not going to be able to run 27 flat at Beach to Beacon. There is no drug powerful enough to get me to that level in one year. I'm sorry. This is why we need a female employee at Let's Run.com. We dope her up. She, she would rock it. Drugs are more powerful on the women's side. What about your sister? How good a runner is she, John? Not good enough to win Beach to Beacon, even pumped full of drugs. She wouldn't do it anyway. She's a moral person. Yeah. All right, John. I'm assuming you have a Women's World Cup game you need to go watch. I need to go do the homepage. Anything else, guys? Well, I just wanted to say, I think Connor Mance is right that he should be encouraged by this result. I mean, 27-58 on the roads. He beat Mokhtar Idris. It's not Mokhtar Idris of 2017 or 2019 when he was winning world titles, but he beat Edwin Kogart, who's been pretty good this year. Almost beat Yehune. I think this is a good run for Connor Mance. I'm excited to see what he does in Chicago in October. And I don't have any Women's World Cup games to watch right now, Robert, because England this morning prevailed on penalties. They did what the United States could not. They won a penalty shootout in the round of 16. Defeated Nigeria. They're marching on. Hopefully this is the year. Football's coming home, baby. So go on, you lionesses. But John, please tell me you watched the game live. Because if you didn't, it's going to expose once and for all the sexism charges that have leveled against you. I'm exposed as a fraud. I did not get up at 3.38 a.m. or 6.30 a.m., whatever it was, to watch this thing live. I DVR'd it. I watched the second half. I watched penalties. I would have watched more, but I had to I had to get on the Let'sRun.com conference call at 9.30. So I only watched part of it, but I did see the penalty shootout. Did you see that Setterfuge, Robert? 
He acted like the game was at 3.38, then he said 6.30. That's a big difference. Waking up at 6.30. I don't remember. Really there was a game at 3.30, there was a game at 6.30. I wasn't going to get up for either of them, so I don't I don't remember which one was which. Well, then can we delete this? He'll never get married if this comes out on here. John, I mean, if this was a men's game, he would have been up. Have been damn right, he would have called in sick. Vacation, weeks planned. If it was a men's World Cup game, round of 16, and it was at 6.30 a.m., 100% I'm getting up, but I care about the men's team more than the women's team that i think that's sexist that's just a fact i've cared about that john this is 2023 you better not admit that on the air oh god well i've been this i watched the, i got up at 2 30 in the morning to watch us lose to brazil in the 2002 world cup i've been following the men's national team my entire life i've only ne- more oh. recently been getting into the women's national team i watched them at oh. the last world cup I watched them win the Euros last summer, but I'm not at the stage in my relationship with the women's team where I'm getting up at 6.30 in the morning to watch a game I can I know I can DVR. I've always been a sexist. It's okay. I'm, I'm slowly getting over it. Wow. Walden hasn't been. That's Walden paraphrasing, John. Yeah. If you'd like to work for Let's Run... Give us a call, 844-LET'S-RUN, 844-538-7786. Send us your resume, robert at letsrun.com. I mean, at well, least I root for my national team in women's soccer. I'm, I've heard some people might have been rooting against the, their national team. I'll just leave it at that. How dare you, John? <laughs> we can take that out if you want. Podcast listeners, World starts in 11 days, and you better be a Supporters Club member so you can get daily podcasts from Budapest. There's never been a better time to sign up. Hell, sign up for one month, buy a shoe, save 20 or $30, get the daily podcasts, forum features, follow posters, a lot more. Go to letsrun.com slash subscribe. To do it now. Have you made the switch to fiber internet? You need to do it now. I meant to rave about these guys at the start of the podcast. Frontier Communications is where it's at. The internet of yours truly, Ouija. I can't wait till John and Rojo get it. If you've heard of Frontier, it's 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 probably where you are. You need to sign up. Go to letsrun.com slash fiber to get the best deal. Let'srun.com slash fiber. Got a gig at my house. Super affordable. Much better than the cable company. Still can watch cable TV through YouTube TV or Hulu or Sling, whatever you want to use. Lots of options. Do it today.